Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Saving Lives in Slow Motion. Today, I'd like to talk about depression and anxiety. NHS fails on mental health care targets as waiting list rises to 1.2 million. That was the headline in The Independent on the 23rd of August 2022, so just a few weeks ago. Breaks my heart for a number of reasons. One, I hate at seeing headlines that say that the NHS is failing. There are lots of political reasons for that that I won't go into. And secondly, because there are so many people suffering and waiting for help and treatment. I focused on depression and anxiety because they are by far the commonest mental health presentations. I was going to do an episode on mental health, but as we know, mental and physical health are interconnected. So I thought I'd, I'd focus in a bit on, on these common areas which are often interlinked. What's very difficult about depression and anxiety is that they are invisible illnesses. Not always invisible, because you can sometimes sense or see signs of people that are depressed or anxious, but it's not like a broken leg. And so the first challenge is actually assessing whether someone has either of these conditions and, and what they are, because they're not things you can put in a wheelbarrow. And the definitions, again, most of you will know that I'm... I'm all about the why and not the what. So the conventional definitions are helpful diagnostically and I'll post in the show notes. And it's interesting because the World Health Organization's definition of depression is that it is a disorder that's characterised by persistent sadness and a lack of interest or pleasure in previously rewarding or enjoyable activities. And of course that means for several weeks or months. But how do we actually know that we're depressed? And how long do you wait before you do something about it? And how do you separate out someone who just looks at life negatively, someone who's very stressed, someone who finds it difficult to express happiness, for example, as an emotion? And is it something that's completely in someone's head? These are the kinds of questions that I think are born out of common curiosity. And there's no right or wrong answer, I have to say. And what about anxiety? Anxiety, we, we know what that feels like. Your heart races, you feel nervous. The kind of feeling you get when you're crossing a road and 
there's a car that's coming and it beeps its horn at you because you haven't seen it. That makes you feel anxious temporarily. And those are physical symptoms, but again, the brain is obviously the key organ here that's involved in terms of thoughts and how they link to feelings. Now, there's so much to cover on this topic that I think I'm going to have to pare things down a little bit because I could talk about definitions and drugs and treatments, a lot of which I cover on other episodes in the podcast. So if um, you see a topic in the list of the podcast episodes that links to depression or anxiety, for example, grief or imposter syndrome or burnout or failure, then have a listen to those because they're probably going to be useful. But as you know, my view very much is that all health is interconnected. We are interconnected in terms of our systems. And if we take the first sort of concept in my book, which is coming out in January, called The Health Fix, it's called The Health Loop. And I'm going to do a, a rather odd exercise because I think it's a useful way of looking at the inputs into what creates symptoms and what creates conditions. What creates depression and anxiety? Well, let's look at the eight areas in the health loop. So not in any particular order. Let's let's do a thought experiment. Imagine you were trying to create depression and anxiety. How would we do that? So let's look at the areas not in any particular order. Area number one, diet. So what kind of diet would fuel depression and anxiety? Well, one that's highly processed, one that's full of sugar, one that's full of artificial additives and sweeteners. Then if we move to exercise, a lack of it would exacerbate depression and anxiety, so no exercise. Then if we move to environment, and actually, sorry, going back to exercise, doing doing too much could also be bad environment you know all sorts of things a nasty boss and a very very stressful job living in poor conditions having um difficult relationships at home again all things that would nudge someone towards depression and anxiety sleep is the next one you know depriving someone of sleep makes them irritable and that can lead to anxiety and depression in the longer term Historic infections. I don't have to mention COVID and long COVID and the effect that has on, on us. That's one of many, but there are lots of others like Epstein-Barr virus or, or even flu. Um, infections, historic infections particularly, and ones that can affect our gut flora, as can a bad diet. So, for example, if you have lots of antibiotics for something over the years, that can affect your gut flora and that can affect your mood. So there's that element. Then there's stress. We know the effect that has on anxiety and depression. And, you know, it's an obvious one. You want to create depression and anxiety, increase your stress. And it sounds a bit odd talking like this, doesn't it? But it's, it's not a bad way to just lay everything out. Okay, next up is sunlight. And that is a euphemism for vitamin D as well. But going outdoors, really, really important, you know, for well-being, um, as more and more research shows. So if you wanted to fuel depression and anxiety put someone you know in a in a place where they don't get enough sunlight you know in a dark room or whatever again a weird construct but laboring the point that these things are important for mental health and finally genetics your genes now they they play a part because as we know 
depression and anxiety can run very strongly in families. Lots of reasons. There, there are whole hosts of genes and polymorphisms, um, as they're known, which are basically sort of segments of DNA in our makeup that um, code for different conditions. And for depression, there are many different genes and gene complexes that affect mood. And they, they do that really by having an effect on the neurotransmitters that bound around the brain that control uh, mood and how we feel. And they include serotonin, GABA, acetylcholine and dopamine. And also sometimes genes that affect what we call methylation can have an effect. I'll post some links uh, in the show notes about that because I, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole and talk about one of these areas in particular. But let's just, just revisit that quickly then. So we've just laid out the areas, so exercise, sunlight, genes, stress, diet, infections, sleep and environment that contribute to depression and anxiety. I think this is important because particularly for the, the people I've met over the years who don't have a reason for how they feel, you know, it's something that's arisen from within, you know, they're sort of born anxious or, or you know, always been depressed in inverted commas. Doing this kind of exercise, I, I think, can be useful because the answer's going to be in there somewhere. And then what we do, you know, as, as that laying out piece has been done, we move to thinking about your typical day which links very much to what we've just done in that health loop. But sorry to pick a crude example, but, you know, if you're snorting loads of cocaine and, you know, drinking two bottles of wine a day, that's probably going to affect your mood and make you feel depressed and anxious. Crude example, just to labour the point, but your typical day is really important, you know, because it will it will feed into that health loop and make you think about what you're doing. And the other side of that, whole coin is your past medical history. How does that feed into your health loop? Were you in hospital for, for years on long-term antibiotics? Have you had deep emotional trauma? These things are really, really key. You know, traumas in early life particularly can, can lead to depression and anxiety later in life. So once that's been laid out, what, what can you do? Well, it depends how severe it is. There are lots of things that work a little bit and lots of things that work relatively well for depression and anxiety. It just depends on the person and how severe it is. So CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, can be helpful. Drugs can be helpful. Medication. And just doing simple little things like getting outdoors every day, making sure you have boundaries when it comes to friends, Lots of little things can help our mental health. One of the difficulties is if you're severely depressed or extremely anxious, um, even though we know what to do and that you know we know all the things I've just mentioned, it can be really difficult to actually make a start. And often in general practice, that's where medication comes in. Someone has come to you because they can't function anymore. And, and the number of times I hear someone say, look, I really don't want medication, but I don't know what else to, to do. I've tried everything else. And in my experience, as with everything else, there is an element of individuality with whether medication works or not. And one thing we've not even touched on is 
the different belief systems patients have depending on their culture. So in some languages and in some cultures, there's no word for depression um, or anxiety. And so if someone is feeling those things internally, they will often get it across in, in different ways. I remember years ago, I was working in West London, and there was a lady that couldn't really speak English, but spoke Punjabi and had a, a lot of physical symptoms. And, and actually, when we translated them into English, she had pain, you know, all over her body, um, kept saying that her heart felt heavy, which may have been a metaphor. But, you know, when you're looking for medical things, you think, quick, let's do a quick ECG, you know, a tracing of her heart to make sure that she's not having a heart attack. And all sorts of other physical symptoms like headache. But ultimately, all her tests were, were normal. And what was interesting, although I was very junior at the time as a student doctor, the doctor that I was shadowing made me call the GP. Back in the days when you could get through to the GP much more easily than nowadays. And it was fascinating. He said, look, she's, she's been like this for a long time. She's chronically depressed. She's never got over the death of her husband from many years ago. You know, if everything's normal at your end, I'll take it from here, you know, when you discharge her. So I guess that's a lesson in the fact that depression and anxiety doesn't always present in the same way in everyone. And there are some extreme examples of mental health provision or its lack and, and the example I'm thinking of is that of Cambodia, where the Khmer Rouge uh, essentially destroyed all mental health services. So there were no mental health professionals in that country after the early 1990s. And only in recent years are they rebuilding that service. It, it's fascinating because the culture there and in terms of the, the history, uh, Cambodia really relies very much on hierarchy as a society. And, you know, studies have shown that in, in young people, there are quite high rates of depression that was just going undiagnosed and untreated. Again, one for the show notes. I mean, this is a massive topic, and I could talk, you know, for an hour on this, but I know you don't have time and the whole point of this podcast is it's in digestible chunks. So what's the solution? You know, what do you do if you're faced with these conditions beyond seeking help? Are there any quick wins? The answer is sometimes there are, and it just depends. My tips, you know, to start with would be just thinking about both the mental and the physical. Think of those eight factors in the health loop that I mentioned earlier on. That's a great starting point. So physically, the things that I think can help mental health are breathing, eating whole foods, taking gentle exercise, and that can be whatever you prefer, from you know walking to yoga, whatever. And the last one is writing down your thoughts. When I say breathing, I mean a sort of breathing practice. So it doesn't have to be formal meditation or anything, but just breathing exercises to just reset things so box breathing is a great example which you'll find in the show notes 
And mentally, apart from writing your thoughts down, which I mentioned last time, that's sort of physical and mental, isn't it? Cognitive behavioural therapy can be a great help. Now, there are apps that deliver this. You can do it online or you can go and see someone and have CBT in person. And, you know, if these things don't work, then obviously you need to seek help from a professional. Depression and anxiety can be hard to treat. There's no doubt about it. And sometimes there's no magic formula. If you listen to people's stories, you'll see that often it takes a lot of work to stay afloat and function. What I love is when um, people find the answer in something really simple. So I have had so many real life cases of people sorting out their depression and anxiety by just making simple changes. One person was by changing their diet and being kinder to their gut. Another one was purely by upping their vitamin D intake. Another was by mastering their breathing. So they took up archery, which is a hobby where you have to control your breathing, and that got rid of their anxiety. Now, these are wonderful stories, and it's it's great when something simple works. And this is one of the reasons why I say start with your own routine, lay everything out with the health loop, and then um, think about your typical day. This is all covered in my book, The Health Fix, which comes out next January. Um, but if if it's not that straightforward for you, and you've done all of those things, then obviously you'll be seeking help. Um, there are lots of other therapies out there. Um, for example, TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation for treatment-resistant depression, which is now been shown to be quite effective in studies. I had one patient years ago who did laughter therapy where you just force yourself to laugh and that worked for her. And for others it was a journey of working out that actually it was their job that was making them depressed, you know, but they didn't really realise at the time. So all in all, depression and anxiety, not as straightforward as it might seem on the surface. Lots of etiologies meaning root causes and unfortunately at this moment in time probably a bigger issue than it's ever been before and I was thinking about how to finish this episode whether I should you know give you a story from years ago um, because I've heard so many depression and anxiety stories and as I said before there are a whole host of reasons why these symptoms manifest and, you know, closing the loop on a lot of these stories where things have improved has has been a real privilege. You know, I've heard so many stories, someone who's given up alcohol, someone who's got rid of their toxic partner, changed their job, changed their diet, taken up yoga, whatever. And of course, there's still that tranche of people where it doesn't work, you know, medication or not. And sometimes a change of medication is the thing that works. But I was thinking hard, you know, if there was one thing that you could do for depression and anxiety, or one thing I could do, what would that one thing be as an intervention that everyone could try and it would probably move the needle on their mental health? And the one thing I've decided that if I could only suggest one thing is to just be in the moment. If you live moment to moment and don't let your mind wander and 
spiral out of control with negative thoughts or worries. Or every time it starts to do that, you bring yourself back to the now. I think you're doing pretty well, and that is probably a great practice to try. Uh, there's a book called The Power of Now. It's an international bestseller by Eckhart Tolle. And if you really want to deep dive into practicing that and listen to his story, that's a great start. It's a good read. Okay, so that was depression and anxiety. I hope that's given you some hope in terms of things that you might be able to try, how you can lay things out and just look at the factors in your life. And, you know, if all else fails and you, you want to try something right now, try and experience that power of now. Just be in the moment. Let things be. So that's it for this week. Um, listen, thank you again for listening. I really appreciate it. Do let me know what you think, what your experiences are, if you've suffered with depression or anxiety, or if you're someone who's struggling with it at the moment. I'd love to hear from you. Find me on the usual socials, Twitter, Instagram, and my Facebook page. And I'd love to hear episode ideas from yourself. You know, I'm, I'm always keen to um, deliver what the listener wants uh, so do let me know if you've got any ideas for future episodes in the meantime do look after yourself i hope you have a great week and i will be with you once again very soon Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.